0: Ephesians chapter number 4, and we're going to read a couple of verses there. Then we're going to turn to First Timothy chapter number 1, and we're going to read uh, one verse from there. You know, I got a lot of preaching buddies, and uh, I love them all dearly, and I'm so thankful for them. And I, I'm, I'm 35, about to be 36. I've been preaching uh, since I was about 14 years old. And I've, I've seen an interesting shift in preaching in the church and I don't mean a good shift. I mean a shift that concerns me, okay? And I'm not saying this because I think we all have it figured out here. We don't have it figured out. We're, we're building a ship as it floats down the middle of the ocean. But this is the, this is the, the, the thing that, that I've seen. You know, when I grew up, we believed in being word people, that was, even the, that was even the language we used to describe you. They're a word man. They're a word woman. They're a word preacher. They're a word teacher. They are word people. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about being people of the word. I'm talking about that book was your bread. It was your meat. It was your drink. It meant everything to you. When you needed a word from God, you didn't have to run to church. You just flipped open your Bible and started digging till God spoke to you. I'm talking about being a word people, and our preachers were word preachers. Hallelujah. They went up reading funny emails. And they didn't have three points and a poem at the end to tie it all up. They were word preachers. They were preachers that would open that book and try to untie something that you had never seen before, that if you got it down in your spirit, it would transform your life. They were word preachers. I don't see many word preachers anymore. I see people that want to tell you you're good, you're wonderful, you're awesome, you're going to lead a great life. But I want somebody to take me to that book and show me something I have never seen seen before and take me to a place in God that will remove the burden and I'm trying to get some help up in here that will remove the burden and will destroy the Teach me the Bible. Don't tell me your latest joke. Don't tell me your latest thought. I want you to take me to the Bible and help me get that Bible down in my spirit so it will change my life. Can we get into the word this morning? All right. Ephesians chapter number four, and if you're a first-time guest, it is what it is. Ephesians chapter number four, verse number 17. I am so old school, I'm reading from the King James Bible. My God, my God. I had somebody tell me one time, they said, I was preaching and I just like the King James. I grew up preaching from the King James. And somebody this old man walked up to me one time after we got done preaching, and he said, brother, boy, it bless me that you from the King James. I said, glory to God. Use the same Bible Paul used. I said, amen, brother, I agree. All right. Some of y'all get that on the way home. The same Bible Paul used. All right, Ephesians chapter number four, verse number 17. Then we're going to flip over to 1 Timothy chapter number one. First, or Ephesians chapter four, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and I testify in the Lord that you henceforth do not walk as other Gentiles walk. Watch what the apostle is saying. Hallelujah. This I say, therefore, and I testify in the Lord, that from now on you don't walk like the other Gentiles. Stretch out that word Gentile and put heathen, that you don't walk henceforth like the heathen walk in the vanity of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling, it's going to get better, I promise, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. That's a good King James word. I ain't even going to translate it for you. It's just, oh, lasciviousness. You don't want none of that. You don't want them problems who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Watch verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be you that you have heard him and you've been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in a righteousness and true holiness. Look back at verse 20. But you... Have not so learned Christ. Put your finger right there in Ephesians. We're going to come back to it. Flip over to 1 Timothy chapter number 1. First Timothy chapter number 1. We're going to start reading. We're going to take one verse. Verse number 18. <clears throat> this charge, can y'all still quote it, RSM students? This charge, I commit to you, son Timothy, According to the prophecies which went before on you, that you by them might war a good warfare. Let me say it again. Listen closely. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. This charge I commit to you, Timothy, son Timothy. According to the prophecies which went before on you, that you by them might war a good warfare. Warfare. Everybody said amen. All right. I want you to to hear this statement. I want you I want you to think about this, okay? And 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 hang in here with me. I'm gonna start a new series this for the rest of this month, and it's gonna be called That's Not Who You Are. That's Not Who You Are. Let me say it like this A sinner, everybody in here knows some sinners. You might be a sinner. A sinner is not a sinner because he sins. A sinner sins because he's a sinner. It's funny to me how the church is always astonished at the behavior of the world. They're like, oh my God. Did you see what she wore on the red carpet? Did you see that movie? It was so perverted. I want to drop this on you big. Sinners sin silah pause and think about it okay a sinner is not a sinner because he sins a sinner sins because he's a sinner in other words it's not what he does that determines who he is who he is is driving what he does let me say it another way. It is not your behavior that creates your identity. It is your identity that drives your behavior. Let me say it another way. You are not addicted. You are not addicted. You are not an addict. Let me say it. This way. You're not an addict because you're addicted. You're addicted because you believe you're an addict. Let me say it another way. Listen to me. It is not what you are that's holding you back. It's what you think you're not that's holding you back. Y'all ain't ready for that. It's not who you are that's holding you back. It's who you think you're not that is holding you back. It is not your behavior. So many times we identify ourselves by our issue rather than identifying ourselves by who we are now being seated in Christ. For example, you go through the New Testament and we always call these people by their issue. The woman with the issue of blood, right? Blind Bartimaeus, right? Y'all with me this morning? Right? Right? The woman bowed over with the spirit of infirmity. Bartimaeus spent more of his life being able to see than he did blind. The woman that had an issue of blood spent more of her life without her issue than she did with her issue. But we have a propensity to want to identify ourselves by our issue rather than allowing our identity to be the thing that breaks the issue out of our life. You hearing what I'm saying? So we get to the book of Ephesians. Beautiful, beautiful book, amazing book. And we land in chapter number four in the book of Ephesians. And listen to what Paul is saying to Christians, to believers, people that have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, people that have been born again. This is what he's saying to them. Quit living like sinners. Quit walking like the Gentiles. He gets over into chapter five and he starts rebuking them. Quit, ha- quit talking dirty. That's what he says in chapter 5. You're like, what? That's what he says in chapter 5. Quit having coarse jesting. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you've been sealed to the day of redemption. Be followed. Don't even speak concerning those that have those unfruitful works of darkness. Don't even speak of them, but rather, instead rather reprove them. Rebuke those that have unfruitful works of darkness. He's going on and on and on about all of their issues. And we have a tendency in the church to make the gospel behavior modification teaching. Let me say it another way. The gospel, some of y'all might not ever come back after I say this, but I love you. And I'm still right. (laughs) The gospel is not advice. The gospel is good news. You hear what I'm saying? I grew up. I told you I grew up. I grew up under the preaching it was always you're going to hell, right? You're going to hell no matter what. Pray, give fast tithe, serve God, preach, lay hands on the sick, watch them recover, you're still going to hell. Okay? Read your Bible, it doesn't matter. It's all irrelevant. You're going to hell. Okay? And this was the constant message that I always heard being growing up. Do better. Try harder strive more and i grew up believing that was the gospel and then i found out gospel doesn't mean advice it means news when your bible talks about the gospel he's not saying do better he's saying it is finished He's not saying try harder. He's saying Jesus already accomplished the work for you and for me. The gospel is not the world's greatest self-help program with 12 steps to get out of your funk. The gospel is the pronouncement of something that Jesus accomplished for you and for me without our input. This past January, I believe it was, I got to watch the mighty Alabama Crimson Tide defeat the Georgia Bulldogs. Okay, this is why I took up the offering before the message. Okay, gotta think. And when I saw the final score, you know what it was? Good news. And it was. This is the point. It happened without my help. It happened without my input. And everything Jesus accomplished for you and me, I know we think we're all of that, but we are not. Everything that Jesus accomplished for you and me, he did in spite of us, not with us. So when Paul starts dealing in the book of Ephesians, when Paul starts dealing in the book of Ephesians, and he's saying, quit walking like the Gentiles, quit living, what is your problem? Quit living like the Gentiles, who in the vanity of their mind have their foolish hearts darkened, being alienated from the life of God that's in it. But that is not where Ephesians starts. Watch, watch, watch Paul's strategy. Watch Paul's, watch Paul's skilled, skilled strategy for getting God's people where they needed to be. He did not start Ephesians by saying, quit living in sin. Stop it. This is how Paul starts the letter. Paul knows. Paul is brilliant. He's, he's this profound theologian. He's this amazing scholar. Paul knows what he's doing. And Paul starts the letter like this. He knows. Paul knows there's some things in the church that I've got to deal with. There are some areas in the lives of the Ephesians that need corrected. They're not talking right. They're not living right. Sometimes people can't even tell the difference between who's a Gentile and who's a believer. Does that sound like anything you know about? Anybody you know? Does that sound like, does it it not sound like sometimes the world's become so churchy and the church has become so worldly, we can't even tell the difference anymore? Haven't we lost that thing that makes us distinct, and it's this? We don't live and process and function in life the way the world does. I'm going to be teaching on two kingdoms coming up soon. I can't can't wait for it. Listen. So he's he's starting, he knows I'm going to have to deal with their issues. I'm going to have to deal with their sin. I'm going to have to deal with their compromise. But before I do that, let me start right here. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, you are blessed. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He's talking to people that have compromise and sin in their life. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You've been accepted in the beloved. You've been adopted into the family of God. You have been made blameless before him in love. God has done You've been sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. He's given you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's quickened you when you were dead and trespasses and says, you are his handiwork. You've been saved by grace through faith now. Quit living in sin. Paul deals with their identity before he deals with their issue. Because he knows if I attack the issue but never get them to see the revelation of who they really are, then the issue will continue to repeat itself over and over. This was Paul's strategy for getting the Ephesians out of compromise. I'm going to go and I'm going to tell them this. That's not who you are. You've been accepted in the beloved. You are a child of God. You're a man of God. You're a woman. That's not who you are. All with me? Yes. Let me say it another way. Behind, listen, listen closely, behind every behavior, and that's what we like to focus on in the church, right? Behavior, behavior, little things, behavior. Right. Did you go eat at Chili's? Because they serve beer at Chili's. Behavior model. And if that's your conviction, I'm not belittling that. I'm not belittling. I'm, what I'm saying is that's not the point. That's not the point. Right? When I, y'all don't know, especially all the young people in here, y'all don't know what it used to be like growing up in holiness. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. Couldn't cut your hair. Couldn't wear makeup. Thank God we got delivered. I think I already told you I never, I, you couldn't wear dresses without sleeves. Women couldn't wear dresses without sleeves. If an armpit turns you on, you need deliverance. <laughs> couldn't wear anything above your toes. <laughs> couldn't go bowling. Bowling. Not to the club. Bowling. <laughs> Was the sin. Couldn't on a TV. Spirit of the world. We should call it Satan's front door. We were obsessed with behavior modification. We were obsessed with policing everybody's actions. Okay? That's what we thought the gospel was. Behavior. So we monitor people and we judge people based upon behavior. We preach about. Be When I grew up, you knew what was going on in the church because it was whatever the pastor was preaching about that Sunday. You always knew when there was some division or attitude creep up in the church because he was going to preach a six-part series on the spirit of Jezebel. He's going to stamp out the rebellion, and he's going to preach on Korah where the earth opens up and swallows the rebels. And if you want that to be you and your kids, well, then bless God, be my guest. Y'all don't know about it. Well, I won't even get on the music y'all get to listen to these days in church. Okay. Y'all got Hillsong, Elevation. My first Christian album, the Daryl Williams Trio. <laughs> y'all don't know about that. If you can't worship to that, you ain't got it in you. Uh, get you some Gaither vocal band and then see you walk around, let's see, pray in tongues. I like the Gaither vocal band, by the way. They're my roots. Behind every behavior, I just offended people. I know I did. I'm just teasing. It's a joke, like, up. No. Behind every behavior, we focus on behavior, but what we miss is behind every behavior is a belief system. Behind every sin is a lie that somebody has believed. And so Paul knows if I want their behavior to change, I cannot attack the behavior. If I want their behavior to change, I have to infuse the belief system with the new identity of who they are in Christ. And once you realize, I am blameless and accepted before him, I am made righteous, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's why I don't look at pornography. That's why I don't get into carnality. That's why I don't live in sin. Not because I want to be righteous, but because I am righteous. Holiness is not what you do so you can be righteous. Holiness is the natural outgrowth of having right standing with God. Let me tell you something. Paul's theology, you start reading Paul, especially in the book of Romans, he will mess with our stuff. And we don't like preaching like this because it strips the glory from all of our works. Paul says things like this. While you are still an enemy, Jesus reconciled you. And made you a friend. Before you ever prayed the prayer. Before you ever showed up to the church building. While you were still an enemy. Lost in your junk and in your sin. You were already made righteous. What if that was the message. That the world around us. What if that was the message that the lost of Knoxville heard. You ain't got to come to get clean. And get made and, and and get dolled up. And get just right. He's already made you right. He's already made you right. We attack the behavior. And we miss the belief. Let me, let, me, let, me show you, let me show you how I, I learned the power of this. All right. Uh, me and my wife, we have three children 11 year old daughter, seven year old daughter, one and a half year old son. When our first daughter was born, you know how it is those first time parents. It's, it's the most amazing thing, just getting to hold her. You, you just walk in the room at night like a, like a creepy stalker, you just stare at them. You hope they don't wake up because they would be terrified. It's, Whoa, what is your problem, man? They're just wonderful, right? And, and, and you have this gear about you. I've got to spend my life protecting you and, and guarding you and covering you. And, I, and we, we believe in all those things. And so, so now she's three years old. And now she's four years old at the time. And we have to put her in pre-K. You would have thought we were shipping her to Africa to be on the mission field. Pre-K was three minutes up the street from our house. We're crying out a the Oh, my God. A Christian, kindergarten, private Christian school. We're, love God, shit up. I was just praying anointing with oil, laying across her bed. God, keep my baby. And it's one thing for a man to pray for a child. When a woman prays for a child, I'd rather wrestle a grizzly bear than get in the way of a woman praying for a child. And so this was our daughter. This was our beautiful four-year-old crown jewel. She was our firstborn, and her name's Annalise. And she's just, oh, it's just everything is right. And, and she's going to school, and we had never had a problem out of her. She was wonderful. She had always been wonderful. And then there was another kid. would wasn't my kid's fault. It was the other kid's fault, right? As parents, that's what we say. It's not my kids, them. Yeah. Another kid went and started going to school, and my daughter started acting up. So I was like, not today, devil. Not today. I didn't know what to do. I was a first-time parent. So I brought the pain. You know what I'm saying? In her school, you had a green light, which meant you were doing good. Then you had a yellow light, which meant watch out. Then you had a red light, which means you're in trouble. And then if you got a worm on the tree, that was all kinds of problems. You'd have to pay for counseling later on in life. And I remember she came home the very first day and she said, Daddy, I got on the yellow light. Oh, no! Not in this house. She's four years old. She's this tall. Not in this house. Oh, no. The devil is a lie. Started walking around, pleading the blood, winning her room, anointing all of her stuff with oil. You ain't doing nothing. If you ever get, I didn't know what to do. If you ever get on the red light again, so help me, God. If you ever want to speak to your little sister again, don't you ever get in trouble again. Do you hear me? If you ever want to see the light of day, if you get on the yellow light, I'm going to lock you in your room, and I'm going to feed you Cheerios, not even Honey Nut Cheerios, regular Cheerios with water. You ain't even going to get milk. You're going to get water. You understand me? Come in and I say, daddy, I got on a red light. Oh my God. I'm going to take every, every toy you got. We're going to take it outside. We're going to burn it. I'm going to sell your sister on eBay. This is changing. We're breaking the curse. The curse stops now. The devil is a liar. The curse stops. And then mama's doing a whole nother thing. All right. Oh, you got to, if you get on the other guy, daddy's going to have to go jump out in front of a train. You want daddy to jump out in front of a train? Is that how you want this to end up? (laughs) She's four. And so after about two weeks of this, so what do we do? When the behavior doesn't adjust, what do we do? Turn it up. What do we do in church? When the behavior don't adjust. Hello. You do something wrong, first step, meet with the pastor. Everybody's got that fateful text, that, that text from their pastor. Hey, can we meet this afternoon? Oh, God, what have I done? What have I done? You don't listen to that meeting? Guess what? You're going to be the object lesson of a sermon. Don't change in that meeting? Guess what? Somebody's going to get up and they're going to say there's somebody in here. God's given you one last chance. <laughs> and that is you. God's giving you one chance. Because when our condemnation doesn't shift the behavior, what do we do? Turn it up. And so I'm turning it up. I've threatened suicide. I've threatened to burn down the house. I've told her about Catholic girls' schools. I have. you think I'm kidding, I'm not. And so after about two weeks of nothing changing, two weeks, my lightning-fast mind after two weeks, says, this ain't working. And I had been wrestling with Paul's writing to the Ephesians. I had been wrestling with the fact that, Paul, you did not attack their behavior head on. Instead, you went another route. You started talking to them about who they are. And then when they got a revelation of who they are, then you started to say, and that's why you don't do this. Because that is contrary to who you are. And so my daughter comes in. My daughter comes in. And she walks in one day. I'll never forget it. She's four years old this time. She walks in. She's like, you can tell she's bracing for impact. Okay. She's like, Daddy. I got on a red light today. And I've been wrestling with Paul. Paul didn't rebuke Paul spoke life into their identity. And when they saw, I'm accepted in the beloved. Why am I'm not living like the Gentiles? because that's not who I am. And so when she said that, she said, Daddy, I, I got on the red light today. I said, Annalise, I said, listen, she got her head down waiting for me to give her a tongue lashing. She said, I said Annalise, listen, you can't ride your bicycle today because there's still consequences for your actions. I said, but I want to tell you something. You're the most amazing four-year-old girl I've ever seen. This is what she did. She went. I said, you're the best little girl. I said, I'm so proud of you. She's like, Mom. I never had another problem out of her. She never got in trouble again because instead of affecting the behavior, I went for the heart and the identity and I started calling her up to a higher place instead of pushing her down to a lower place. And whenever God gets ready to deal with you and to deal with me, he's never pushing us down. He's always calling us up. He's saying, this is who you are. Get up out of the compromise. Get up out of the sin. Get up out of the dysfunction because that's not who you are. You don't yell at your wife. Not because you don't feel like it sometimes, but because that's not who you are, man. You're not out of control. You're not a rageaholic. You don't look at that. You don't dress that way, young lady. Not because it ain't cool or he but because that's not who you are. You hearing what I'm saying? That's not who you are. So that's what Paul is telling him. That's not who you are. Listen to what, let me, let me show you another way Paul does this. Y'all still with me? I'm about to shut up. Y'all still with me? Come on, y'all still with me? Watch. Paul. Paul writes another letter. He writes another letter to a church in Corinth. Y'all know about the Corinthians? They had problems. Problems on top of problems. Paul writes his letter to the Corinthians. This is what he says. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To those, he's writing 1 Corinthians to those that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. He's writing to the Corinthians. And he says I'm writing to those that are sanctified and set apart in Christ. It's the first chapter. Then he spends the next 15 chapters telling them how unsanctified they are. Y'all are fighting I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Christ. Y'all are arguing back and forth. You got one brother sleeping with his stepmama. That's how many problems y'all got. Not only that, y'all are eating food offered to idols. Not only that, y'all are the flakiest church I've ever seen. Y'all got tongues and prophecy and interpretation flying all over the place. Let me put it in today's context. Y'all got shofars blowing. Y'all got flags waving. Y'all got people prophesying out in the parking lot. There's no kind of. A- y'all are a mess. Then Paul. Why did you call them sanctified? Because Paul knew, if I can paint a picture of who they are called to be, It will do something on the inside of them that makes them want to leave where they are and step into the identity that God has already provided for them. Oh, that's who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You already have the wisdom of God. You've got all the wisdom you need. You have wisdom and revelation. You've been washed by the blood. You've been forgiven of your sins. You've been made righteous. You are seated with him in heavenly places. Isn't that amazing? That's why. That's why people always like, people, when I moved here, people always like, you're going to preach holiness. That's God. you going to tell them. You're going to tell them. Yeah, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them that you don't do that. Not because if you do that, you're going to go to hell. You might. I'm going to tell them you don't do that because that's not who you are. Because he's already made you brand new. Remember, it's not what you are that's holding you back, it's what you think you're not that's holding you back. And when you get the revelation of who you are, when you get the revelation of your identity, when God shifts your belief system, it changes your behavior. You're accepted in the beloved. You got everything you need. Everything you need to do the will of God, you've already got. He's seated you in heavenly places. He's already blessed you with all spiritual riches in heavenly places in Christ. Hallelujah. He's sanctified you. He's called you to bear fruit. You are the love child of a love God. It's already there. So often in church, we spend our life reaching, striving, fighting to become. Something you already are. Let me say that again. We spend so many years striving, reaching for something you already are. You might not be acting like it. That's another issue. That is secondary to believing the fact, the reality, this is who I am. See, a lot of times when we deal with the Bible, a lot of the things that we call promises are not promises. They're divine realities. You being accepted in the beloved, you being a child of God, you being the righteousness of God in Christ, it's not a promise that he will fulfill if you check off your list. It is a reality that you step into every single day of your life. Hallelujah. That's why the gospel isn't advice. The gospel isn't tithe gospel isn't fast pray get the sin out the gospel is not you know every 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 generation there's something that's you know in my opinion harmless but everybody think it's evil when I was a kid it was Pokemon's the devil I ain't even gonna talk about what that is today It's wrong it's wrong it's wrong It's wrong. all of that is secondary let me tell you how Jesus dealt with sin let sure how Jesus dealt with sin. Because people pride themselves. People pride themselves. We're gonna, we are we live free from sin. We live, we live right. We live right. And I'm with you. If you've ever heard me preach. Some of you don't know who I am. Some of you follow my ministry for years. We believe in preaching right. Believe in preaching against sin. We believe in. Let me tell you how Jesus dealt with it. When Jesus encountered the woman caught in adultery. He did not say to her. Go sin no more. I won't condemn you," he said. "I don't condemn you. Now go sin no more." He did not say. He didn't listen. He did not say. If you get your behavior right, don't sin. Then I'll give you an identity, no condemnation. He said, "No, no, no. You're not condemned. That's who you are. Now, out of that, don't be sinning." that's not who you are.